0: Hello and welcome to the Events Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Taylor, and each week I talk with event professionals about how they plan, promote, and run their events. Whether you're running small meetups or large conferences, exhibitions, and concerts, we focus on finding actionable tips that you can use straight away. Podcast is sponsored by our ticketing system, EventsFrame. Make the switch from Eventbrite today. We've got full integration with all the main payment gateways, so Stripe, PayPal, Braintree, etc. And just announcing email integrations with all the main email marketing systems, MailChimp, Zapier, infusionsoft and aweber to name but a few really great system give it a try no ticket fees just a flat monthly fee and if you drop me an email um, to dan at eventsframe.com with the subject line podcast i'll give you a special secret discount code so on to today's interview, this is with Emma-Jane Park and we had a few audio problems but I don't think it detracts from the interview. It was a really good chat. Emma runs uh, something called the Supper Club which is a membership group based in London for successful entrepreneurs and what's interesting about Emma is they run 250 plus events a year both for members and also for members plus external people. So it's really good to hear how you can build a membership community and they've really built it on the back of events. So super interesting chat and and I think there's anyone who's looking to, to run a lot of events or anyone who's interested to maybe grow their membership community can get a lot of interesting information here. So onto the interview with Emma Jane. Hi, and welcome to the events podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Emma Jane Park, who is managing director of the Suffolk Club in the UK. So hello, Emma. How are you?
1: Hi there. Well, thank
0: you very much. Great. A bit of behind the scenes, we had a bit of an issue with uh, Emma's audio, so we just started again, and it's now sounding sounding much better. So it's a great great to be talking to you. Um, Supper Club's a members community for CEOs and founders of of companies and, and high growth startups. So I'm really keen to learn a lot more about it and learn about Emma's background. So let's jump straight into it, Emma. Um, First of all, if you could just give me a quick overview of of what your background is, and then we'll talk about the background of the Supper Club as well.
1: Yeah, that's great. So I went off to university to study geography, uh, which was great fun. Went to Nottingham and then made the very natural leap into media sales. And so started off in that sort of more old school way now of sort of 100 calls a day, two hours on the phone. And, And I did that both in London and Amsterdam and we were obviously talking offline a bit about what a great start that is to um, any career. Uh, I think any in, yeah, in sales any,
0: any yeah. show sales, sales I think, is just so underrated in terms of, of the skills for an entrepreneur.
1: Absolutely. I think you get so used to the rejection, you know, making 100 calls, you know, we were sort of taught the, the old bit 80s now, but, um, you know, every yes, every no is closer to the, the next yes. Um, and... Uh, there's a, 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 an author called Dan Pink who very famously wrote uh, Drive, which is how you are motivated, and there's a great RSA animate on YouTube about that. But he also wrote uh, Selling Is Human, which I highly recommend, which is his whole sort of idea is that one in nine people are in sales, sales, and the other eight people are in sales, but they don't realise it um, because if you've only gone up for a job interview. Or if you've ever had to um, go for a promotion, or even sell an idea to a colleague, friend, whatever it might be, you've had to learn the skills of persuasiveness, of transferring enthusiasm, of selling yourself or an idea, whatever it might be. It's, it's so, true. Yeah. It, go on. no, no, no correct, correct. But yeah, he, he talks about this idea of decastrophisation, which is as a salesperson, you know, someone says no to you, and you decastrophise it. it. You take out the emotion. And go, okay, well, their loss. On to the next. And I think that's had a really powerful impact, um, both in my professional life and personal life, because you, you go from this highly emotive up and down to quite neutral thinking, that you get into the sort of mindset that, do you know what, whether I get a yes, get a no, whatever happens, I will prepare myself for how I deal with it after. Or if a problem comes up, I know I think about solving it rather than, Uh, getting stressed and emotional so I think and especially that's tied in very well uh, with the nature of events where sometimes you do have a a drama before an event you know speaker drops out or there's a nightmare with the venue or you know ticket sales whatever it might be Um, or you might have positive and negative feedback from events and again you take the emotion out, and you just think, right? How can I prove it and go on to the next? So I, I think it served me very well uh, for future it's life. It's Funny, like,
0: I think uh, there's, I don't know where I heard the quote, but like when you sell, I think it was one. I, I had a couple of sales jobs when I was at university, and like if you just treat every no as another another step to getting a yes, you know, like this is a no, okay, it's fine. But it's you know, you, you know, like you get quite analytical. I think when you do sales, and, and you just realize it's a numbers game. If you, as long as you keep modifying your pitch, you know, you're eventually going to get someone who's going to want what, what you're selling, you know. And yeah. you just got to be able to take the rejection because it's never going to be 100%. You know, and you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting because nowadays people make way less phone calls. And I'm, I don't know, I'm curious what you think. I was chatting to a good friend of mine and, and he was saying that because like it's, it's really changed, in, I don't know what, maybe five years, I think that people have just stopped making phone calls as much. Everyone texts, everyone uses WhatsApp. But but he's saying because of that, he gets way more success with phone calls because no one's calling as much. I I don't know if you find that.
1: Uh, It's a very good um, observation. I think, yes, I think if you go buck the trend, years ago in the club, we started sending out physical letters because no one was sending out physical letters. And we got loads of wins from that. And people were opening up interesting. Oh, I've got a letter, a parcel. But then everyone started jumping on that bandwagon to step out. So then you have to change it up again. Uh, You know, in the world we're working now, you can't really cold call a CEO. Um, Most of the time, they're not at the desk. Um, Most of the time, they're on their phone. So we we have to approach entrepreneurs and CEOs. We we tend to do a lot of marketing effort um, to, most of ours comes through referrals um, but yeah. then also if we identify people we think would be a good fit for the club we, we go out and invite them to join so we have to do a lot of marketing effort before we then put them in front of someone who might who, who then explores membership with them and make sure they're a fit so uh, and i think if you talk to a lot of members and people now marketing used to be oh yeah we'll do a bit of marketing but mainly it's the sales people Um, but it's now it's so much more integrated and you just don't get sales without the marketing that marketing is such a big part of that whole journey now and whereas in my first role in media sales the marketing team um, were very much focused on bringing traffic to our website and then the sales team we were the marketing and sales team getting clients on board so we were we were a, a website, a, an online a sort of marketplace, but and we were the ones selling to clients. Um, so I, I do think, and also I think a lot of people rely too much on email. I much prefer to give people a quick call or speak to them face to face because my spoken language is much better than my written. And I just think you can get stuff done quicker over the phone.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think you, you like yeah, you're right. And the cold calling has has gone a lot, but it's still. People still don't want to pick up the phone. Like, I mean, for me, I get on the phone at the earliest opportunity because you can you can email backwards and forwards and, and text endlessly and it just, it slows it down, you know. You can yeah. figure out, yeah, a way forward or, or, or there is no way forward on, on the call. But, yeah. but, but just in terms of your story, so yeah, obviously Amsterdam is, I, I used to live in Amsterdam as well, actually, which is one, one, oh, one of my favourite yes. cities, a great place. So, so, so how did you go from this to, to starting a business? What was the next step?
1: So the um, so I worked for this company for six years and the founder of that company was actually a member of the supper club already so she used to come back from her entrepreneurs club and come up with all these crazy ideas that we'd then have to implement them as a, as a senior management team so after I'd been in announced for two years managing her office and had put in succession planning decided to move back to the UK at the same time our founders had invested in a startup herself and i consulted on the sort of sales strategy because i hadn't built it It was in pre-revenue stage and then came back after christmas their sort of investment deal had changed somewhat so it was a personal investment rather than a business one and I decided it was probably time for me to move on. Six years there, it was all very amicable, so I decided to to um, to leave and was looking. And then the actual founder of the Supper Club, he um, who founded I can tell you a bit more about the Supper Club fifteen years ago. He was looking for someone and she knew that he was looking, so he introduced us and the rest is history. So I've been at the Supper Club for six years now.
0: Wow, so um, two that's, that's actually pretty in the in the modern world, staying a jump for six years twice is pretty exceptional. I think most of the others are like know. a year isn't it? Like you're
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, I'm very, I'm quite rare amongst my friends. As you know, my first job out of uni was six years, um, and by that stage, most of them had two or three, and then to you know, twelve years into my career, and and only having two jobs, I think is is very rare. Um, but cool. I've enjoyed both of them. So that's, yeah,
0: that's, that's great. No. Now, what's the background for the supper club? And I, I guess, I guess, the thing the confusion, I'm sure, you get all the time is, I guess, it, it's not connected with the supper club, the bar and club in, in Amsterdam. <laughs>
1: No. Do you know what? We get that way less. When I first joined, I used to get that a lot. Probably but, sure, um, is,
0: yeah. But that was popular like 10, 15 years
1: ago, I guess, when well, I was in that We're way more the dodgy white beds and, and cocktails. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no, we, I, we used to get that a lot. Actually, over the last couple of years, um, the Supper Club is is very well known now within, our, within the entrepreneur sphere. So if we mention it, most people, most people go, oh, yeah, I've heard of you. And it is about us, not the, the club in Amsterdam, So, um, which is great. And obviously, our marketing and our, our name is is getting much more well-known now, which which is great. So we've been around for 15 years. And we actually celebrated our 15-year anniversary in August this year. And it was born out of Duncan many years ago. Duncan's now our chairman, and he's gone off to, to found uh, another tech business um, in the e-learning space. Um, but he was going to lots of networking events, which we've all Been at um, where it was kind of like business cards already, everyone trying to sell something, and no one there looking to buy. So he said he must, there must be a better way of getting entrepreneurs together where it is much more about learning rather than selling. Um, so that's what he did. Um, he brought a bunch of mates together, and they had a rule um, or sort of motto when it first started, which was no lawyers, accountants, or life coaches.
0: That's um,
1: good. <laughs> so you should add in like
0: recruitment agents and a few more things, and ourselves
1: Absolutely. Well, it's, and it was ironic because Duncan's an ex-accountant, um, yeah. so that was kind of irony there. But they, they said it, there are events out there for, for that, but it's much more about the, the founders. So, started it, and the whole ethos was give and get. Sometimes you'll be the one learning, sometimes you're the one sharing, and let's share experience, thoughts, advice. And you had to be past startups at least 1 million um, turnover, yeah. Um, and you have to be the founder or CEO. Now, um, fast forward 15 years, we still very much got um, pretty much the same motto. Um, we've got just under 500 members, all founder CEOs and businesses that are past that one million mark. Um, but it ranges sort of one million right up to sort of 500 million plus. Um, we've got an ever-growing community of those who've exited and sold businesses, as you can imagine, and sort of looking at life after and investments, et cetera. Um, and we've now run over 3,000 events over that 15 years. We do wow. about 250 events a year. Um, and they range from, of course, dinners, suppers, um, sort of intimate roundtables, eight to 10 people. We now, we've branched out and do breakfast and lunches, um, but we also do speaker events, workshops, um, bigger summits social so ski trips overseas events so there's a lot that we do um and lots of different types so yeah and is, it,
0: is it actually is it like a physical club where people can go or is it all just you run it from your office and you host events in different places
1: the latter yes we, we don't have a physical club we use lots of private dining rooms around london um obviously lots of different there are amazing venues all over the, the city we do events we were down in Bristol a couple of months ago, uh, Birmingham, Liverpool, Manchester, and we're launching some forum groups in uh, Manchester, Leeds, and Birmingham in the new year as well.
0: Great, that looks looks super interesting. So, so in terms of the events you run, like. I, I'm, I'm kind of familiar. I run a kind of similar kind of level of, of events a year, so I, I kind of know what that what that entails. What are the main events you run, and is it mostly that the meetups, or what's how does it break down that like 250 events a year?
1: Yeah, so we do probably about mm, between 10 and 14 round tables a month. Um, so they're, and typically dinners, although we will do lunches and breakfast, but, and the dinners, they're eight to 10 people um, will have chairs, someone from our teams there who takes notes and they circulate the following day. And then we, and they're mostly the cu- really, well curated events so uh right so you have a structure to
0: the dinner yeah absolutely
1: it's chaired and cross table so let's say it's a topic and we do all sorts of topics so raising finance going into the u.s planning for exit you know incentivizing a senior management team anything and everything you think about about scaling your business and and sort of life beyond Um, so let's take launching in the u.s for instance what we do is go right we want to put a dinner on this in in january We'd go and identify a couple of members who were already over there or have been and been there, done that, who we'd ask to come and give back. We'd identify a chair for the evening, so either one of the directors or one of our long standing members. Um, and then one of our team would go, obviously, to take notes and ensure the event goes well. And then we might we might know of a selection of members this is particularly relevant for at the moment, so three or four that we go we know that you're about to go do this or you're doing this at the moment, come to this dinner, and you know a bit of vicarious learning, learn from others. Sure. And then we also obviously post it on our website and it goes out to members and they can then book on. And what we make sure is we obviously get a well-balanced group in there who can share and give back as well as learn. And then we look at personalities as well because we know our members quite well. So we, we carefully curate go, A, are there any clashes, competition, or is this a really feisty group and we might need a few quieter, or is this quite a quiet group and we might need an extra... Personality in there just to to liven it up. So we 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 carefully curate those, and and they're the bulk of what we do. Um, And then we do about ten to twelve speaker events a year, where we'll have you know fifty to hundred people in the audience, um, and we'll have a panel, typically our members, who share their experience around a specific subject. And that's open to non-members as well. And then we do workshops where it's much more training and tools-based. So we have about 20 to 40 in the room. And you have the the, the speaker, the, the trainer. He'll do a more tools-based training um, for sort of three to four hours.
0: Great. Now, in, in terms of the, the, the larger events you run where you have external people, how, how are you marketing them? Like, obviously, with your internal events, it's, it's pretty obvious, I guess, you're, you're, yeah. you you said that you've got an email list of your members, you email them, you put it on a, an internal members area of the website. How are you? How are you getting the word out to for the bigger events to non-members?
1: Uh, that's a good question, Dan. And if you've got any ideas, I'd like to <laughs> um,
0: It's always it's a million dollar question.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we we've got we've over the years we've got a, a network of members, ex-members, sort of leavers, um, but also those who don't yet qualify or people that uh, want to be engaged um, but haven't quite joined yet, who are on our sort um, of database. Obviously right. GDPR compliant as of yeah, earlier of this year. S- um, so we've got a very engaged group now, which was the joy of GDPR is having to go through that process meant that you do have a very engaged database now. That's true. Um, that we, that we reach out to, they get sort of uh, updates or uh, invites to certain events that they can come to. We also um, do a lot, so there's lots of different ways that we do it, but obviously through social, we do our LinkedIn is a very powerful tool for us, both organic and paid. And then for our members, we do quite a lot of the events, especially the workshops, but also the speaker events they're aimed at entrepreneurs but also their teams as well so senior leadership team coming to a speaker event can be very powerful Um, but also the workshops where it might be on on sales or uh, marketing or leadership or whatever it might be we get a lot of uh, a lot of members teams coming coming to those as well so and and then, yeah, if you have any, if you've got any experience and sort of, uh, I'm always looking for that uh, <laughs> elusive silver bullet, yeah, um, no, right. then reaching out and doing campaigns to make more relevant people who haven't heard of us before. Uh, aware of our workshops and speaker events even if they don't qualify for the club they're then aware of us and all the other ways that we can help them as well which is which is great that's interesting yeah i mean i think i think i would have guessed you were
0: doing linkedin because that's kind of it for your kind of demographic it seems yeah. like that's probably more effective than, than facebook which i guess is the most logical other place to do paid mm-hmm. advertising I've, I've never done any linkedin advertising myself actually i've looked at it and it just seems the cost per click is is high but I guess depending on the ticket price you know, you can justify that
1: yeah I think we where we've we've had mixed results for actually doing it for specific events um, we're trying to think about uh, doing it more for as a campaign of working out making people aware of what we do. So take the workshops, for example, we do about 40 of those a year. So making people aware gen- generally that we do those types of events rather than trying to do paid advertising per event because I think you're right, the, the cost per click on LinkedIn is just not, it is, it's just very high and wouldn't be worth it. Yeah. Um, although done. we're trying in some ways.
0: I, yeah, I've, the only thing I've done quite a bit recently is just outreach on LinkedIn, like adding people's connections you think, you know, could be interested to work with or as customer and then sending them some information. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's kind of time, it is time consuming, but I've, that seems to be working, you know, like doing that, you know, constant outreach, constant, you know, if they're not interested, cool, you know, all the best, you know, but people don't seem to mind you adding them as a connection on LinkedIn. It's not, it's not like Facebook, you know, they don't have to be a real friend and, yeah. And I'm seeing that. Do you partner with any venues and get them to promote, like, for example, co-working spaces, or are you go for, like, hotels and things for, the, for these venues?
1: Interesting question. Yes and no. So um, on some of the events, for instance, we do quite a few, not all, but quite a few of our workshops in a co-working location in London called The Office Group. Um, they have about 20 locations around London, and they're brilliant. There uh, you can obviously rent whole Offices, But they do co-work, etc. And and they uh, rent rooms where we can uh, do workshops. They're, they're really lovely. Yeah. Um, and we, they post our uh, workshops on their kind of newsletter for their own members. Great. So, um, which, again, that helps. And then we have it just depends quite a lot of the time the, the bigger venues don't necessarily have the right audience for us because we don't want it to be a free-for-all one of the key things for speaker events is having the right audience sure. in the room so we don't want it just to be a free-for-all so it's just trying to find that balance we do work with partners so for some of our bigger events we've had uh, supporting partners sponsors who will then market it to their own audience as well so sure. it's like joint joint jointly for the room
0: And do you run these bigger events as like evening events or as full day events?
1: We tend to do those uh, sort of half-day So the yeah. speaker events are typically sort of two thirty-three till five thirty, so it's an afternoon, so an hour and a half of content and then some networking. Yeah. And then we also we've done a sort of summit series where we call it foresight events, where it's the future. Most of our events are insight and and hindsight, what I would have done differently. But we're looking at like what's coming over the hill, what tsunamis coming in, so to us, and wash our uh, wash ourselves out, and how can we prepare for it now. So we did something on the future workforce, the future of finance, um, which is they were absolutely brilliant. Um, And we we did those with partners. So we had we actually used a a couple uh, some cinemas, which are always brilliant. A lot of cinemas uh, screening rooms. Uh, If you do them in the morning, we did it eight till one. That's times when they're not normally showing stuff. True. Good packages and, and they're starting to do a lot more of that. So that they're a good. Good spot. The Curzon is the one that we used in London. It was absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah. It's interesting. I've noticed that in here in Prague, where I live, I went to a, a Google Partner event, which was at a cinema in the morning, and it was it's quite it's kind of kind of a cool atmosphere going to a cinema when it's kind of quiet and so, stuff as well. It's, it's, I I like it.
1: Yeah, it's really good.
0: Now, what? Um, so you've been doing, doing this for six years now. What are the trends you've seen in terms of how how you've changed? Because it seems like events, are your main product. Are, if you think of it like that, at the supper club, that's that's the thing people are joining for to meet these other people at, at the round tables and at the other ones. Like, w- yeah. what are the what are the changes you've noticed in, in, in how you've done it over across that time, if, if any?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, plenty. We so there's a couple of things. There's a sort of more macro stuff, and then internally, I mean, we every single event we do, we have what we call our review and improve document. So we go right, what worked well, and we should do again what didn't work so well and what will change for next time. And that could be a dinner. So dinners are more formulaic, as it were, and they're smaller and they're three hours and they're, they're simpler, in inverted commas, yeah. um, logistics-wise. Um, obviously, it's very much about the content and the people around you have around the, the table and making sure people don't cancel last minute because that has a massive impact and sure. stuff like that. Um, but the uh, but, and we'll we'll come back and tend to go right. What do we approve of, and what should we improve? So it's a very quick feedback mechanism. But for some of the bigger events that we do, <clears throat> speaker events, or when we do member any like we did a ski trip last year, we'll we'll sit down afterwards and go right. What really worked? What what hasn't? And we'll 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 try it again. And and we keep every document because what we find is sometimes. You'll try something new and then you kind of almost revert back to the way you were doing a couple of years ago. Because as we've already talked about, you know, you go through these um, sort of rhythms and changes and what worked now didn't work and vice versa. Overall, macro-wise, what there's definitely been a trend in is not, there's so many events nowadays. Um, and especially in, the, in, our, in our world of entrepreneurs, I could be out, let breakfast, lunch and dinner, most nights if I really wanted to I was out there going to everything November right now is absolutely <laughs> mental I'm yeah, out with every crazy. single night um, and people tend to do their award ceremonies and then they do I've got lecture series going on as well and then we've obviously got our own events so where we a few years ago, when I first joined having to educate entrepreneurs on the benefits of peer learning and the benefits of investing time in yourself and working on the business not in it now i 'm having to make sure that we're we 're seen amongst the noise, and that we when any ever there 's an experience that a member comes in, or anyone not just a member but comes. Um, to an event with us it creates impact for them straight away so they go yes that was a good event and it was worth me going there so you're having to stand out and it's the quality of the event that um, is m- more focused now rather than whether they'll turn up at all
0: true I'd, I'd imagine for you, for you that sort of round table dinners are the key thing cause that's something it's more exclusive it's not just you know it's only open to members and people and you know people are gonna I'd imagine it's quite an enjoyable thing you know I imagine that's something that people would be more interested in your members than the other members. I'm not sure if that's true
1: um, it's horses for courses so a big thing when you ask members and we just did some, um, some video content and we asked them what were the four words that you would use to describe the club and every single one of them one of their words was fun And that wasn't prompted by us, but they they said, okay, and it's fun. And I think a lot of people go, do you know what? Actually, it can be quite lonely at the top as an entrepreneur. Um, So it's quite nice being around in whatever format it is, around your peers and be able to share, um, share stories, et cetera. And, you know, over a nice dinner, there's, you know, What's a lot to like if you're having a nice dinner and talking business and amongst peers? It's really fascinating. The other thing, and I think it's not just an entrepreneurial trait, but it's a very strong one, is having that growth mindset and always looking to learn. So they love vicarious learning. So even if they, they haven't got a challenge themselves, they love helping others solve their challenges or hearing challenges that others have faced that they haven't yet. So really learning from each other. And that's something that they really, really enjoy.
0: I imagine and, do the dinners sometimes kind of take a, a, a life of their own and they yeah, end up going out together afterwards, or is it normally just a dinner and then everyone leaves afterwards? I'm curious how it ends up with these things.
1: Oh gosh, um, if you ask. So in terms of the socialising, yeah, it very much depends. You know, if you were looking asking people from uh, 15 years ago, um, they'd hark back to the uh, the good old days when they were all out till five o'clock in the morning after dinner. Yeah. Um, but I think as the club uh, has matured somewhat. It's, it's not you know, a drinking club at all. It's, it, you're there to talk business. And, and a lot of the members, you know, late 30s, early 40s is sort of average age. There's a lot of young families. Yeah. Um, and I think, as I mentioned before, you're now competing with all the other responsibilities and opportunities and events that others can go to. So yeah. members come to, to have that impact, just to meet people. Um, and so most of our dinners wrap about at 9.30. People have left by 10.00. Um, but there are definitely members and or dinners where people are like, well, who wants to go on for a drink or sure. you know to the next bar or stay for, 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 for a drink? That happens quite a lot. It's not every time by any yeah. imagination. That, that,
0: that's
1: interesting.
0: I'm curious about the ski trip, how that's, how that's organised and,
1: and, and what's the structure of that? Yeah, so last... Uh, we've done plenty of ski trips over the years with, with members, but quite a lot of time we've done it with members organising their own trips and a couple of others have joined. Last year we did... Our first all members uh, ski trip, and we had 20 of us. Uh, so we had 15 of us. This year we'll have 20 of us, and we went from the Thursday to the Sunday and it was a real collection of members most of them hadn't met each other before um, and there was myself and one of the team who went and we went to Leger last year got on the plane, got out the other side and do, do those wonderful ski trip um, trips up the mountains we kind of got to know each other and what was amazing, it was there was no forced fun <laughs> um, yeah, each tough. evening we sat down, had dinner and then we'd go off for skiing in the morning there were naturally some very good skiers <clears throat> there was a couple who'd, who'd done it like once before maybe. So they went slower, went off the ski lessons, and then we all met up again at lunch um, and then obviously dinner afterwards. And it was amazing um, how much business was done on the slopes, you know, getting to know each other, find out what you do, and I'll make an introduction here or help you out here. Um, And also what was amazing was the camaraderie and the friendships that were born. One of the guys had this this group that uh, had now they'd gone the skiing he says it's it's probably my closest group of friends now outside of my family which I was like wow um, yeah there's something powerful. about being in the mountains
0: it does bring that uh, I, I spend a lot of time I, I've got a place in, in the Austrian Alps actually I spend a lot of the woods was- down there and I, I love it I, I love the atmosphere I everything think about it
1: it's a wonderful um, experience. And I think why we decided to do it again this year was a everyone who went last year was like, let's do it again. <laughs> so we've added, added more people and there's a couple of people who couldn't make it. But um, and they're really, really excited. And I think it's I think with entrepreneurs, when they go on holiday, obviously, they're usually running their their business. And when they go on holiday, it might be with family or friends or kids. And actually going somewhere where they – someone mentioned it to me last year and said, look, this is the first time I don't have to – someone else is organising it for me. Yeah, I'm around peers and I have interesting conversations and I can just completely relax.
0: Yeah. I don't
1: have to worry about it. It's all done for me and I just get to hang out with really interesting people and they were – that was amazing. And I hadn't really thought about the, the positive impact of just hanging out and, and not having to worry about stuff um, and how – refreshing and relaxing that can be for, for entrepreneurs especially definitely
0: did you stay in a, in a chalet or in a hotel?
1: we stayed in a hotel last year actually yeah. and it was really great um, and it was halfway between uh, Léger and then it went up to another resort and I can't remember its name this year we're doing the same we looked at chalets but actually we're, we've got this amazing uh, hotel again this year
0: okay cool um, so so Really, really interesting stuff. What, what do you think is the future in terms of the Supper Club and, and obviously and your events, which is, which is kind of core to what you're doing? Do you think it's, it sounds like you've got a good thing going. Do you think it's, it's kind of more of a same, or do you think you've been making any, any changes in terms of how you structure things?
1: Yeah, so there's lots of, um, we're always looking at different content that we can do. So we know, you know, done, doing this for 15 years, we know the tried and tested formats that we know can be powerful, and that's why people do trust that they come to an event of ours and, and sure. it is going be, to be good. Um, so we're always playing around with content. So last year we tried our Foresight um, events, which were really interesting. So we had a couple of members, but it was mostly experts in fields of sort of AI and, and future, futurists, et cetera, which are fascinating um next year you know we've built on our workshops and we're going to be doing more of those um a couple of years ago we'd only just started them and now we're doing 40 a year because we proved the model and it worked um and we're starting to deliver more across the country so traditionally we've been very london-based in our delivery although our, our members are based all over the uk um but now we're, we're doing more events as i mentioned um Manchester, Leeds, Bristol, we we're up in Liverpool last year, um, or this year, sorry, we we land in Bristol, we're going back and delivering more um, across the UK, which is definitely an area for us. And then we're also, I mean, we've, over the last three, 15 years, 3,000 events, we've ministered every single one of them, so we have got this huge, you know, bank of knowledge and our members have got, you know, huge amounts of experience, so we've started producing more content guides and we're doing more video stuff for our members and the outside world um, and then we're actually at the moment exploring doing uh, more online courses um, so taking the best practice we've seen and all that distilled insight from you know over a thousand entrepreneurs now of how the best businesses scale and putting that more onto live events still we think that's very important still having it live but also having it in a format that you can dip in out of online as well sure
0: and then I'm curious if you're looking to do stuff outside of the UK or are you staying focused on on the UK as, as the main
1: Good good question. Um, So we will, in time, want to explore. We actually explored going into the US this year because there are so many of our members who are are launching um, in the US in one form or another. So we were looking at the East Coast. We decided um, the format we'd want to take out there with. um, We wanted to um, test it in the in the UK first, make sure the model's right because as you scale, scale, you scale your issues. So make sure that that works well, and then we'll probably look at the East Coast of. US and we'll probably look at um, Dubai or Singapore as well because they're quite rich hubs for, for entrepreneurs as well um, but that's probably in a couple of years time.
0: Yeah it's interesting Dubai is, I'm, I'm doing more and more things in the UAE now and that's definitely, yeah. um, it, it's taken especially because it's got a big connection to the UK, so many British people have gone out there so that's that's definitely, good. I'd imagine for you it would be big.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it definitely is. And there's quite a few members who've been over there, either worked there or have actually lived there. And it's a, a fascinating, uh, fascinating world. So, um, yes, yeah, so that's definitely an area we'll be looking to explore. Yeah, it is. I mean,
0: I've, you know, I've got mixed feelings about it. I don't, I don't think I'd like to live there, but I'd love to visit it. I mean, it's really easy to get to. I mean, it, even from Prague, there's four airlines fly the daily from Dubai. That's how much traffic wow. there is going from here. And in the Prague, more a small city, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's huge. Uh, it's,
1: well, I've never been. I've never been. I need to I need to go.
0: Or oh, to, to Prague or Dubai? Dubai.
1: Well, um, neither actually. Prague is on my list. Actually,
0: <laughs> I'd say go to Prague for Dubai definitely, but Dubai is more of a business hub, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll do. will do. Yeah. So, um, look, really fascinating to talk to you. If, if anyone's interested in the supper club, how can they find out more information and see if it's a good fit for them or see if they, you know, could even be accepted?
1: Absolutely. So you could head over to the site, which is thesupperclub.com, um, and have a look. All our events are live on that site. So, and it's really clear which ones are member-only and then which ones are open um, to, to the wider community. And there's normally two, if not three um, or four, a month um, that are open to, to non-members as well, um, whether they're workshops or speaker events. And then if you do qualify for membership, um, there's real simple apply. Just give us the details, and then one of the team will be in touch. Um, and it'd be great to. Still further
0: great well Emma-Jane great to talk to you sorry about the technical issues we have but I think we'll just edit out the middle part it was, it was a fascinating talk and good luck both for the suburb club and for you personally with, with your career that sounds great
1: thank you very much and you too bye
0: do you want to sell more tickets to your amazing events events frame event ticketing has been built to minimise the amount of time it takes to buy a ticket result you sell more tickets Check out eventsframe.com.